there are multiple ways you can make an impact on this world. You can create a product. You can accomplish something on your own that's just huge that nobody's ever done before or something high level. Or you can become famous and have a ton of people want to be you. But in leadership, ultimately, what you really want to do is leave a legacy. And the problem with that sometimes is we wait way too long in our career to think, oh, it'll be when I'm older or when I'm in charge of a ton of people. And that's really not the case because each and every day you're actually living your eulogy and who you're going to be in and how people are going to remember you and your impact on other people doesn't require you to have some kind of leadership title. But if you do have a leadership title, your number one objective is to leave a legacy because the ultimate way to build your leadership brand is to invest in others. In other words, the team's brand becomes your brand and how you can grow other people and get to a point where they kind of don't need you anymore. Because when that kind of thing happens, there's two results to that. Number one, you are probably ready for more responsibility, but if you've really taken the time to invest in others, somebody else on your team is probably ready for more as well. And that's what you should really be aiming for rather than your own career. Because basically what happens is when you do that, when you focus on other people, your career takes care of itself. Because sooner or later, somebody starts asking, who's in charge of this place? It's just amazing what this team is accomplishing. And that's what you want to do is not be that person they have to come to for every little answer or they're not going to do anything. But to truly leave a legacy is all about investing in other people, not creating followers, not just accomplishing one great thing, but building others up all the time. So they're even a better version of you. We do that with our own children. We want the next generation to accomplish more than we do, don't we? Do that at work and you will be a huge success story. So we're going to talk about how you build legacy leaders right now. It's time for the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Stress, and I know whether you're starting a small business, you're a solopreneur, or a leader in a large company, you need to collaborate with people. I want to help you make those collaborations fulfilling, productive, and as profitable as possible. So every Monday morning, we'll drop a new podcast episode to do just that. So let's get into today's discussion. Welcome everybody from across America and around the world. It's great to serve you with another leadership discussion. And over the past few weeks, we've talked about why not you, what two two-word sentences that always propel you forward, creating your own vision, mission, and strategy. Don't forget to go back and give those a listen. And I know you can't work on all of those at once, but those podcasts are a great place to start if you're looking to improve yourself or finally tackle that goal that's been nagging you for a while. So give those a listen and start writing down where you're going because the best way to predict your future is to create it. So as you're working to improve the best version of yourself, I want to talk to you today about the ultimate goal as a leader or an influencer. The most gratifying thing a leader can do is create other leaders, or as I call them, legacy leaders. It's one thing to accomplish things on your own, but what are you leaving behind? Who are you inspiring? So many people just want to create inspired followers, and that's nice, but what are you really creating with that? Inspiring people to follow you is one thing, but to truly reach the highest levels of leadership, you need to create other leaders. And this does not have anything to do with what level you're on. So I don't think you need to be the CEO, a world famous rock star or internet influencer. Anyone with influence can create 
other leaders. But you have to start at the beginning. So first, let's talk about how building trust only takes seconds. You know, as John Maxwell so brilliantly pointed out, people have to believe in the person before they believe in the message. In other words, do they trust you? And arguably one of the most important traits or the most important traits is building trust with your team, you know, and with the people on your team. Without it, you know, good luck on building a future with your team with any other concepts. But before you can even think about creating a highly functional and productive team and help others build their careers, they have to trust you. And building trust takes a lot of time. Or does it? Most everyone knows the old saying, it takes years to build trust, but only seconds to break it. And there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, to build a long, deep bond of trust, it does take years. But most of the relationships you'll have, particularly in the workplace, you'll actually build in just seconds. So how do you build trust in seconds? Is this some kind of magic trick? Maybe some kind of acronym to remember? Jedi mind trick? No, but it is a subliminal interaction you might not even notice going on. Think of all the people in your life, coworkers, friends, even some family members. How do you filter what you share with them? Why do you filter what you share with them? Sure, we can say it's related to trust issues, but how did you develop that? I mean, this is what I call building a response code with another person. If you really want to build trust and create legacy leaders, then keep listening. And we'll get to what a legacy leader is in just a few minutes. But that, it's really easy to spot true violations of trust. You know, if you're watching a truly catty TV show like Desperate Housewives or The Real Housewives or whatever city group that says things when they go out to lunch, like if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. And I know those are TV shows, but have you ever worked with a group like that? Everybody in the group is talking about whichever person just doesn't happen to be there that day. Well, guess who they're talking about when you're not around? Yeah, probably you. Or what about four? F-O-R, four. Fear of reaction. This is when every time you share not so positive information, the person you're giving it to has not a, a not so pleasant response. They blow up and not necessarily at you. But that's something you just get tired of dealing with and everybody else gets tired of dealing with. You didn't cause the problem, but you always are, are almost in, in fear of how they're going to respond. Violating trust can be a career changing event. You I mean, you can literally deprogram someone, even if you think you're trying to teach them a lesson or thought you explained something one way, but it's taken a completely different way. And that reminds me of a meeting that occurred several years ago. Um, they just did, uh, added this whole level of, of leadership in this one particular company. So there's a lot of new managers, very young, mid-early 20s. And uh, they were having a meeting uh, with a, uh, a mid-level leader who, I mean, right out of central casting of the authoritatic type leadership. And you know, the guy is 6'3", 6'4" big broad shoulders, real deep voice, a little bit of a southern drawl kind of thing. I mean, just just struck the fear in everybody. I, I, I've literally seen grown men cry with some of the things he said to them. And as sad as it sounds and maybe unbelievable, but yeah, it's true. And everybody already had this big fear of this guy. So he was like the perfect character, if you will, for this. So they're having this meeting. And of course, he's going through all these things that they better be doing and better not be doing and all this stuff. But then all of a sudden, he uh, asked for volunteers, uh, you know, raise your hand and tell me, you know, who wants to tell me what their hobby is? And this guy never got personal with anybody. So this one manager raised his hand and, and he started talking with him. And this manager 
like to play racquetball. And the, the leader's like, uh, I don't really understand racquetball. Maybe you could explain it. And they got into this whole discussion about what type of racket do you use? What kind of ball do you use? How do you score points? And, and on and on and on. And as, as this discussion is continuing, you can just hear it in the voice of this young manager getting excited. Like, wow, this leader is, is interested in me and my story. And it, it, you can almost hear the elevation of not a fever pitch, but you could just tell this guy was getting excited and all that. And then all of a sudden the, 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 the leader looks at him and he says, so what was your net profit last week? And the young manager did not have an answer. And you could hear a pin drop in that room. And it was like nails on a chalkboard. You're just like, oh man, he got him. And if that wasn't bad enough, the leader follows up with a second question. How much is racquetball paying you? Now, the lesson there obviously is to know your business. And in this case, to know your business more than you know your hobby. But um, it, 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 there was no further volunteering going on in that meeting after that. And people talked about that interaction for months and months and months and how that guy just felt like he was two inches tall. And yeah, and everybody next week knew their net profit. It struck the fear in them. But at what price? Was it really necessary? Another story um, where this uh, mid-level manager was moving uh, one leader, uh, a lower level leader to him to a different area and didn't tell her yet, but he went over to the new area and told them all about it, that this person was coming to their team, but then proceeded to talk to them about what this person's good at and what they're what they're working on and, and all these things. And, and well, I don't know if she's really ready to be promoted right now, but that's coming down the road. Well, within earshot of that was one of her close friends and heard all this conversation. It's like, why was this discussion even happening in front of these people? So later, this friend happens to be on the phone with the manager that's getting moved. And, the, and that manager was, she was upset about something, had nothing to do. She didn't even know she was being transferred. And the other person assumed that's what she was upset about. And that's how she found out about it. And not only found out about she was being moved and didn't know it about the other things where she felt like everybody was telling her, you're ready for the next level. And then this guy is telling other people, no, she's not. And it's like, why does that kind of stuff happen? As you continually interact with people, you're going to create a response code for them, meaning you're going to create a mental profile and a trust filter for what they share with you or, or, or vice versa, how they trust them or more importantly, not trust them. And all those major interactions and tiny interactions, thousands of them, they are either building trust or breaking trust. You think about every time you address somebody on your team or your team, whatever you're telling them is going to either solidify the trust you have with them or make them question who you are. So how do you help your team build trust with each other? How do you enhance those response codes with your team so everybody can be more effective or how they trust you as a leader so you can move on to create legacy leaders. People go through different levels of, of trust before they start believing in you, before they actually start wanting to follow you. But once you've built that with your team, that is the time to start creating those legacy leaders. Or as Coach Maxwell said, now that they believe in you, now they can believe in your message. So you may want to hit pause here, grab pen and paper, or take notes on your iPad. Unless, of course, you're driving your car. Um, that would be bad. So don't do that. You can always go back and listen. But there is a trust leadership continuum that your team is going to go through and the people on it. And I call it a continuum because it's kind of a flow of trust. And if you don't help them go from one level to the next, 
you're never going to get to the point where you can create that legacy leader, which is the ultimate reward for you as a leader to create other leaders. And I don't mean I manage other managers. I'm talking about creating other leaders. So the first level, number one, the force skeptic. This is maybe you're the new manager to situation or this is a new team to you. And it's more of a, you know, you think about Ronald Reagan and the Russians where he always said, trust, but verify. It's kind of, that's how your team is going to take it. And they may never um, trust you and you might not trust them if this is kind of where you stay, where there's no communication. Everybody's kind of standoffish with everything. They want to believe you because their job kind of requires it. You know, you have to work together, but they're kind of forced into it. But at the same time, they're just not so sure. And you can't really give them a reason to not believe you. But at the, at the very beginning, it's a force skeptic. And as a new leader, to, or, or maybe you're new to them or they're new to you, you can't be upset with this because I think this is just normal for people to, to just be skeptics about, well, I don't know how this is going to go. Regardless of what they've heard or not heard, they're just going to need some proof. But over time, they can move to, to level number two, which is the casual believer. You know, In other words, it's kind of so far so good. Maybe their career doesn't necessarily depend on it just yet. Um, they can kind of take it or leave it. Um, if you're the leader and you screw up here, this is kind of where they say, oh, I knew it was coming. I knew this is too good to be true or whatever that is. But over time, you have to really give them good feedback, good information, good interaction, how you handle things to get them to the next level. And those are the things you have to do. Like I was talking about earlier, building it trust in seconds by how you respond to things, how you communicate with them. Do you seek to understand before being understood? All those kinds of things. So that's what starts creating that inspired follower. You know, now you're really getting somewhere because there's, there hasn't been a reason not to trust you yet. And even if something goes wrong and you screw up, you can recover as long as you're vulnerable and honest. But again, you can't just create the follower by giving them what they need. I mean, sure, they're going to follow you, but to what extent? You know, what happens when you're not around? And what does that create? Or once you create an inspired follower, somebody who wants to work with you, that's great. But that that's when you see, that's the point where most managers stop. You know, they, they think, well, I've built a really good team and, and everything's good, so I don't need to worry too much about stuff. But this is really a pivotal point because this is where your team is giving you the permission to lead them down the path of turning them into another leader. It's not until this point that you've built up enough interaction with them to create an inspired follower. They like coming to work. They like working in the environment that was set. All of those things that's the point that gives you the permission to take them to number four and create that legacy leader. And this is where you as a manager, you're all in. You're the true mentor. You really change someone's path for the better. You, you know, you've helped in creating other leaders that will take the lead when you're gone. And this is the ultimate gift of leadership. And if you're really just good at leading a team, then Good things will happen during your tenure, but what happens when that's ended or you're on vacation or, or are you going to be known for when the company needs new leaders somewhere else, you have that person. Who could you influence to take the lead when you're gone? In, in other words, you have to teach them about leadership. And this is what makes you a better leader when you're focused on not just getting through the day. That's just the, the, the basics of creating a team, but really creating other leaders because that's going to require a different level of you. 
as a leader to really show up, to really serve, to really help others see the difference in leadership. Because like I've always said, it's its own skill set. Leadership is its own thing. No matter what you're doing, you're, you're, you're in sales, you're in marketing, uh, you're in HR, you could be in anything, but leadership is different than just those individual pieces. And that's why creating a legacy leader requires so much of you. But here's the hardest part, if I haven't you know, daunted you already, is that you can't expect the reward to come immediately. You might not hear a thank you immediately or even never from some people. And, you know, you don't create legacy leaders for the applause. You create them because that's what makes you the ultimate leader. And many don't even realize how much you've helped them until years later. I think about things like Ronald Reagan as a president years later. You know, people look back on on his presidency and had a lot of great things to say, but at the time, they sure didn't. But um, what about kids who can't wait to grow up and move out of the house because they just got to get away and their parents have no idea what's going on? But then years later, they finally appreciate what you did as a parent, which usually coincides about the time that they got to start paying some real bills on their own or they're starting a family and they really start to realize how hard it is to juggle all that, even though you know you never really told them how hard that was. And then they really start to appreciate what that's like. Or maybe how about a favorite teacher from high school that was teaching you way more than just what was in the book, or just the environment they created. And at the time, maybe you didn't think about it, but years later, you look back on that experience and say, wow, that was, that, that, that was my favorite teacher. That's the one that inspired me to write. That's the one that inspired me to follow this path or whatever. And a lot of times that will come years later. And so how do you actually create these legacy leaders, because again, we just said you got to level three of the inspired follower. Now they're giving you that permission to do that. So here's here's how you you know you start to kind of go down the path with them. So number one, you need to interview them, and I don't mean a job interview. I mean really get to know them. It sounds simple, but this is so often overlooked. And I'm not talking about hey, what did you do last weekend, or what's your favorite movie. I'm talking about really digging in and getting to know them and their experiences and, and what was the most challenging thing for them. They started their career or or really some of the hobbies they get into that, that take a lot of um, talent and creativity and thinking. And you really just start to get a sense of where they're coming from when you do this. And you'd be amazed at what you learn about someone by listening to who they are outside of work and what are those outside forces driving their behaviors inside of work. So take the time to get to really know them. And then you can kind of incorporate that when you're even giving them feedback about work. And that brings me to number two of providing constant feedback, celebrating progress. Remember, focus on the behaviors you want to see so you'll get more of that and provide them maybe information they don't have access to. Make sure they understand they're winning when they're creating things or how important their function is when they when they do it effectively. But number three, um, for, for, for each one of these members of your team to truly be effective, they have to know, and really without asking, they got to know if the team is winning or losing. And that's how you kind of know if you've given enough feedback on what's going on and how, how they're doing is they don't really have to ask. They just know they're winning or losing. But secondly, and this is a point that a lot of people miss is very important is, but what they do personally contributes to that winning. One thing to be on a team that's winning and you don't know what role you play. And then for a while, it's good. Eh, team's doing great. So, But after a while, you start to question, well, who am I? What am I contributing? And you've got to include them in that. Um, number four 
have career goals for your team and check in often, but don't wait for the annual or biannual review. They should know and believe you have their best career interests at heart. And yeah, even those on your team that even they don't want to be leaders, they don't want to get into a management role. And you're thinking, well, why, why do that? Because two reasons. One, you definitely can make them a very high output person, but at the same time, and a lot of times, your your biggest output person is somebody who gives you some of the most trouble because of they don't mind telling everybody that. And it really becomes a disruption in some cases. So the other thing it creates is if you're spending so much time with other people and never investing in them, you're almost driving a wedge in your team and you certainly don't want to do that. But it, it's it's okay if if they don't want to become a leader. That doesn't mean you treat them any different. You just help them move along in, in the area that they want to be in and, and the kind of a person they want to be at work. Number five, above all else, just remembers Gandhi. Gandhi's quote, you know, be the change you want to see in the world or maybe more appropriate for the workplace. Be the leader you would want to work for. So at the beginning, we kind of talked about creating response codes in others. And a great resource to create a positive response code for others is the book Multipliers from Liz Wiseman. Now, it's, you know, she doesn't mention that that way of saying a response code. That's just kind of my own way of looking at it. But you, you know, to build ultimate trust with your team when you're proactively trying to create other leaders, you'd be amazed at how you might think you're being affected, uh, effective in creating other leaders, but then discovering that maybe you've been actually getting in your own way. And what Liz puts in this book and multipliers is a great list of things that maybe it was really well intentioned and how you're coming across, but at the same time, you're, you're actually doing the opposite. And maybe you're not as good a leader as you thought you were. And that's not a slam on anybody because I certainly had this feeling as I, I went through that book and was looking at it. But it really does help create a good lesson about response codes you're creating in other people. Because as the leader, it's not just to learn your team's response codes to kind of manipulate them or like I was just reading an article a little bit ago on LinkedIn about the the way it was the way it was, the way it was um, titled kind of threw me off it said five tactics on building trust and I was thinking my very first thought was if you're going to sit down and create tactics you're going to be tactical about your trust are you really being that person or are you just using it to say oh this is effective well response codes kind of work the same way that it's not for you to just figure out what response codes your, your team members have, but what kind of response codes are you creating for them from you? I mean, do you inspire others or make them perspire? You can, you can create a productive team if you've reached level three and created those inspired followers. But you know, of all those interactions it took to build trust with your team and help propel them forward, the hundreds or thousands of them, all that happened in a matter of seconds. But to truly be a team builder, a career builder for others, a leader that creates other leaders, you have to get to level four and create legacy leaders. But as Simon Sinek says, you know, you should be playing an infinite game. And that's what legacy leaders are all about. It's not about, oh, we're just going to get through today or we're going to get through this quarter. How do you build that team for the future and play that infinite game? But you have to remember, you only have a finite amount of time within that infinite game. So what are you going to focus on? And what happens in that space in those seconds of time with your team to give you that permission to move them to the legacy leader section. Well, that is 100% up to you. 
Thank you so much for joining me for another show. Please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues and start up your own discussions on the topic of the show. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss a show. And check out the links in the show notes and give us a rating so we know how we're doing and five stars would be pretty sweet. So until next week, remember, you know you have to get work done with other people, but how you get done work with other people is entirely up to you.